Welcome to Spirit in Action. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and each week we bring you visits and conversations with people doing healing work for this world, hearing what they're doing and what inspires them and supports them in doing it. Welcome to Spirit in Action. Today for Spirit in Action, we have our second visit from our guest host, Patricia Stansbury. On the air at WRIR, which is Richmond Independent Radio, she's sometimes known as Sunny Gardner, and she shares two different programs. Last time she was on Spirit in Action, she shared from her Lightly on the Ground series, and today we'll be sharing the latest from her Groundswell program. Richmond, Virginia is lucky to have Patricia, and the city is also lucky to be home to the Veterans Resiliency Holistic Clinic, where part of world healing is to help in the healing and fullness of the lives of military veterans. It's over to you, Patricia. Well, thank you, Mark, for having me. It's a pleasure to sit in as guest host for Spirit in Action. Let's jump right into a recent episode of Groundswell. You are tuned into an episode of Groundswell, which explores the lives of veterans as they put their lives together. I don't want to be one of the 22 These words came from the mouth of a well-spoken, calm, thoughtful woman who may be in her mid-thirties. After medical retirement, she set out to find a way to discover her own inner being in the aftermath of three tours of Iraq and one in Afghanistan. Through Providence, she found the Resiliency Clinic, which provided methods and directions as she sought the spiritual aspect of healing as a whole person. Twenty-two veterans take their lives every day in this country. The Veterans Resiliency Holistic Clinic has some answers. We're here to talk about the Resiliency Clinic, and Karen, Jennifer, and Aaron met with me in a church basement that had no obstacles to entry. The Veterans Resiliency Holistic Clinic has some answers, and the people who joined me explained some of this. Aaron tells his experience with service animals and therapy animals. Aaron recently lost his longtime service dog who'd been with him through his convalescence and physical rehab. His knowledge is practical, deep, and moving. Therapy and service aren't just for dogs and cats. He tells of a rabbit, a miniature horse, and of course monkeys who perform an outstanding array of tasks to help and support their people. He outlines certification and relevant regulations. All of us were starting to tire. The sunshine outside was beckoning us, and the basement had grown quiet as the children's yoga class ended and the students went home. I brought my dog along for a visit with a Vietnam veteran after our session. This dog is an empath, and when Aaron was struggling, she positioned herself within reach, and soon he beckoned her onto his lap. His breathing relaxed, and he spoke with more comfort and confidence. I didn't realize exactly how clearly that showed until I listened to the recording. The generosity of spirit these people shared with their stories is remarkable, and that's all I'll add. One amongst us called them holistic Valkyries. Today I'm with representatives of the Veterans Resiliency Clinic, and we're in a church basement, and we just talked about kind of an overview, but now there's so much more to talk about. Let's begin again, though, with an overview of what the Resiliency Clinic is. I'm your host, Patricia Stansbury, and in the room with me is Karen Henderson, Aaron, 
and Jennifer from the Veterans Resiliency Holistic Clinic. So Jennifer, why don't you talk a little bit about what brought you to the Resiliency Clinic? All right. Um, I know that you've had some life experience that I don't have a clue about. So. <laughs> A little bit my short short amount of time here on this planet, but um, I moved down to Richmond from Fredericksburg in June, and it, it was the first time in, in a few years that I was able to just focus on myself. I was medically retired from the Marines in 2013 um, with renal failure. My kidneys shut down while I was forward deployed to Afghanistan. It was my fourth deployment. I was almost in for 12 years. I had a game plan, and kidneys just shut down. And I had no idea what to do. And on top of that, I was already diagnosed with PTSD from my previous deployments. So it just compounded into this. I don't even know what to call it because I didn't. I I felt like once I was medically retired from the Marines, I had no identity. My identity became this sick and shut in person. I I was just in a really, really dark place. I, I became extremely reclusive friends disappeared. Um, I had a significant other, he disappeared. <laughs> and, and I just I just felt like I didn't have anybody to relate to. And it, it, I, I was in a very dark place and I had to make a decision. So am I going to become one of the, the 22 or am I going to make a, a change for how I want to live my life? So I became proactive in, in finding a living donor because I, I just couldn't I couldn't stand the idea of being on dialysis for the rest of my life and not being able to live my life the way I want to. So I, I found a living donor, unfortunately, and, and I received a kidney transplant four years ago. Not tomorrow, four years ago. And and yes, thank you. And that was that was wonderful. But once I, I um, received a transplant, in my head I was thinking, okay, problem solved. But no, all of a sudden all these emotional stuff just came out of nowhere. I felt like, okay, so I was focusing on the Marines the whole time. Now I was focused on my kidneys all this time. Now what? I still feel like I didn't have an identity. I still felt, I didn't know how to, to address what was going on inside of me. I felt this, I just felt stuck. I felt so stuck. So I, 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 I just started doing research on mindfulness and being in the present moment and law of attraction and and just, I knew that there was a spiritual disconnect inside of me. And I, I wanted to figure out what that was. So I was in this pursuit of growing who I am and releasing all of the negative energy and, and trauma that I've experienced in the past. And I just came across the clinic on Facebook. <laughs> on Facebook. On Facebook. Yeah. And, and I saw that um, there was there was going to be a, a clinic event happening. And I, it was like the day prior. And I was like, I'm going. I am definitely going to this. I am so interested in, in to see what they would have to offer. So so I arrived. And just like Aaron said, I was welcomed with open arms. And everybody was so wonderful. And I, I realized that I wasn't as bad as I thought I was. But I wouldn't have known that if it wasn't for Karen and the amazing individuals that um, I've encountered, Karen especially, my, my first um, treatment with her was so simple, but it was so powerful. Um, and I, I, Karen, I know I didn't tell you this, but before her treatment, I, I have a thing about people touching me. I don't let people I don't know touch me. And so if somebody does, if somebody touches me, 
and I don't know him is because I'm in the hospital. And I was in and out of the hospital a lot. Karen just touched me and just said, okay, how are you doing? Tell me how you feel. And I just started shaking uncontrollably. And it just felt, it felt like this, this release of, I had no idea what it was, but I felt this peace that I haven't felt in such a long time. And it was, it was just the first experience with her. And it, I, I had no idea that I had all this pent up energy, mm -hmm. negative energy inside of me because of everything that happened, because I didn't, I didn't know how to release it. So after that, I was hooked. <laughs> so are you a combat veteran? Yes, yes, ma'am. Um, I, I served three tours in Iraq in the last one, which was the doozy in Afghanistan. I was a combat camera videographer and photographer. Well, we'll have to get you to volunteer with WRIR. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of production going on there. And, yeah. um, but not to digress. So, Erin, can you talk somewhat about your experience before you came to the Resiliency Clinic? It's difficult for me to focus on. I've moved around a lot, but I, I've had a lot more focus issues um, here lately, unfortunately, um, due to actually my the service animal passing away. Mm -hmm. And then unfortunately, completely unrelated, my mother passed away three days later. Mm -hmm. Those are still very, very recent traumas. Mm -hmm. um, and but it's been very difficult in a lot of ways functioning, but to talk about that history with, without um, my service animal here is, is it, 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 mm -hmm. um, it, 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 uh, you can no longer either do for yourself or that you have a lot of trouble doing I mean, sometimes it's not necessarily that you can't absolutely anymore, but that it's pain-causing or it's problematic or it takes so much energy that you need that extra support. A therapy and a, and a service animal is a medical designation. Um, the only thing that you truly need in Virginia is a prescription from your doctor. For a service dog. Correct. And... What, tell us again what kind of services they'll, the dog will do. Well, again, it could be any sort of animal. Depends on what you need. Yeah, um, the, 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 it, so it doesn't have to be a dog. An example, one of the more interesting examples I've come across in Virginia, at least to myself, is a man who had a heart condition. So he looks looked perfectly healthy from the outside and he had a really large German Shepherd and this German Shepherd only had one service that he provided and that was to give the man CPR. The man could drop and start having heart problems and the German Shepherd was trained to turn him over to make sure, help to put his head and neck in a correct position for an airway and to stand over him and start dropping on top of him doing compressions. That is amazing. Did you see it? Well, no, thankfully. If I had seen that, then obviously <laughs> the man was not doing so well. Oh, oh. I, I, <laughs> good point. So the German Shepherd will go 
everywhere with him and can go anywhere and everywhere with him. Mm-hmm. But to the untrained eye or someone who doesn't know, they would never see that or hopefully not see him doing anything unless that one specific situation happened for him. So you had mentioned that you knew people of the Muslim faith who, and since they're, they're not, they don't have dogs in their homes, that they had miniature horses. That's a, that's a popular choice. Yeah. yeah. So do they, do they have those in the house? Or, yes. And what kind of service would the small horse do for the... Anything that a dog could do. Okay. Anything that... So it's... It, I mean, it, it could be a monkey. It could okay. be... I've known a, of a true service rabbit where a man had a hearing impairment where he couldn't hear basically the pitches of sirens or alarms. Mm-hmm. And he carried around the rabbit with him in his arm. The only purpose for that rabbit was to alert him if there were sirens or alarms going off. And so that rabbit slept next to him at night. You know, otherwise, you know, he wouldn't know that ambulances were coming, that police cars that were coming, that hmm. his fire alarm was going off in his house, etc. So the, the rabbit would, would start scratching his forearm, digging his forearm to let him know and be alert to look around and do that. So okay. um, th- there's... the it, the, the opportunities for what an animal can complement us doing and help us out with are far beyond the stereotypical, unfortunately, visually impaired person who has a seeing eye dog. Mm-hmm. So there's way more services that I could even describe. Well, I've heard of. Uh, I believe there's a different scent that you have when you're having when your insulin when your sugar is dropping, and I know that some animals can let you know that you're you need to check your blood sugar or. That you might have a coma. Yeah, uh, you know. Well, that you're having a, an insulin emergency. Yeah. Yes, um, there are some that have been able to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like, you know, we've trained dogs and different animals to sniff for bombs out mm-hmm. in combat and, mm-hmm. and uh, out in the field. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, so an older use for them. Yeah. Sure, um, but so we have animals that can... Be trained to do so many, it's only limited by your imagination. Mm-hmm. And that's usually what it takes is someone with the creativity and imagination to understand and listen to what someone can no longer do, what their, where their capabilities are starting to teeter off and what they're lacking, and then match up that idea with a good animal that could also be trained to complement that so that person can live a full and whole life again. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's all about. It's it's no different than someone just trying to be normal again. And did you say there was certification for that kind of training? or I mean, for the animal? No. Okay. There is no certification in Virginia. There is no national certification. If you pay for that, you are buying snake oil. You are so, you're being scammed. The, the only last I looked in the statutes of Virginia, the only law was that a service animal needed to have an orange leash mm-hmm. or harness. It doesn't have to have a patch or a vest oh, saying okay. it's a service animal. It doesn't have to have any of that. The only thing that the law in Virginia has stated in the past was that it was an orange lead. Other than that, you just need to have something as most basic as literally prescription that says need for service animal. Okay. And that's it. And by no means does anyone ever have to show that, Mm -hmm. or should they have to show that. 
and it is unethical and in many cases illegal to ask someone what services that animal is providing for them. They can ask simply, is this a service animal? If they still have concerns after you say yes to that, you can ask simply, are they providing services to you in that you may need in this environment or situation? And if you say yes to that, then that's all they can legally ask or say, and that's all you have to legally answer. If someone really, the, the, the ultimate push and pull of the situation would be simply, unfortunately, a courtroom situation, an incident where the person with the service animal simply shows that prescription that says need for service animal to the judge, and then the judge says, no problem here, it's all good. So, Aaron, tell us about therapy animals. Sure. And my, my service animal is also trained as a therapy animal and also trained as a therapy animal to provide therapy to others. He had a huge amount of love to give. So that was one of the ways that I had an opportunity to give back to the community was to take him to uh, Little Sisters of the Poor's hospice home here in Richmond, to the Children's Hospital, and allow him to do his work there with them because he had so much to give. But therapy animals, again, can be just about any sort of animal. Uh, There's a little bit of a, a, it's kind of conversely, whereas the, the paperwork involved with having a service animal is actually very minimal. But the laws and regulations and support legality for you for that is huge. And it's recognized by the ADA. Whereas the paperwork needed to have a therapy animal is pretty big and getting larger and larger as the days go by. And therapy animals don't have the same rights as service animals. You don't have the same support from the ADA supporting them. So you have to have quite a bit of paperwork showing that you have a need for the therapy animal. And... It's actually can be quite awkward because you can be asked to show that paperwork. And oftentimes, well, it's a therapy animal, so what are they probably providing to you? It's more in the mental health realm rather than the physical realm. So now you're being put on the spot to start talking to some stranger about your mental health issues. That's a pretty horrifying thing to go... All right, um, yeah, actually, I've got PTSD, and you're triggering me more by asking me this and having to, you know, show my paperwork for my therapist and my doctor, etc. So it, the situation's a little lopsided out there, how those, those things are looked at. But mm-hmm. a therapy animal can be, I believe, just as important to a person as a service animal, depending on what, what that, where that person is, what their health needs. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that an animal, and it can be many, any sorts of animals, provide to a human is unconditional love. No matter how you're feeling, how you look, if you're lying in a hospital bed, bloody, broken, battered, that animal, that dog is going to look at you the same way and love you the same way. And even the people that care about you the most If you're messed up or if you're in a bad way or if you're in a bad mood, if you've been ranting and raving because of your issues, even the people that love you, the caretakers, they can get fed up. And you see that. 
you know that they love you, but you see their reaction, and that's hard to deal with. So the therapy animals, it's, it's a place where you can go, and it's a bond you share that, become, that can become unbreakable, where you get that fulfillment for love and that nourishment for your, your mental health and for your soul that you can no longer get from the rest of humanity. Mm-hmm. Who wants this old box? <laughs> that was awesome. I, yeah, that was good. Uh, I, I, I couldn't couldn't do it justice. That was that was awesome. That was good. Mm-hmm. That's a thirty minute session all of its own. Right? Pretty much. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, no, no. I love how your service dog brought you out even more to help others. That's commendable. Mm-hmm. That's really commendable. I I, I was first learning how to walk again. I was in a wheelchair for a long time. And so he was he was a he was a chariot dog. He was he did all sorts of things for me. Um so he he had a lot of different training. You know, as I became more capable and grew to accept what I could and couldn't do, you know, I realized you you, you gained more time and no matter where I went Children are always attracted to animals, especially a dog in a place where they're not used to seeing one. You know, they're in a grocery store or wherever. You know, it's like they go there with their mom all the time, and suddenly it's like the zoo's been brought to them. It's not supposed to be here. Here's this thing that's not supposed to be here. Oh, cool. It's like, and maybe for some of them, it's like, oh, this is breaking the rules, you know? I mean, again, there's, there's some cultures I know that they don't have animals or, or pets a lot they definitely are very wary they don't have dogs let alone large dogs and mm-hmm. mine was an 80 pound yellow lab mm-hmm. and so the kids i could see were tentative the parents were frightened to death thinking that he's going to like bite their arm off and i would always invite the kids to you know pet him and, and touch him and let him know that it, it's safe and you begin to recognize that that you can build a bridge there so it's teaching well for some people hey dogs some dogs are nice they're not giant evil wolves and Mm -hmm. um, it it also allows people to feel like they have an opportunity to treat you as a normal human being because it can lead into conversation the focus gets of any of your medical issues disability issues kind of gets deflected on the animal and then, you know, you have the opportunity to talk about yourself as a human being and just normal stuff. And I think that anybody, whether it's mental health or physical health issues, the true wish that any of us had inside us is, why can't I be normal? Why can't I be healthy? If I would trade everything for just one day of feeling good and at peace and like everybody else, and you look around the whole world, and you see all these people going on about their lives, and you're like, I wish I could do that. And whether it's a service animal or a therapy animal, that's part of what that is, is to try and fill in and give you a little bit of that peace that you try and get by. Mm-hmm. So we've discovered some, well, there's nothing like a good dog. I know that. And I'm not going to tell any dog stories, although I have a lot. But um, I did want to uh, see if we could circle back to how what other kind of things give us strength in our work? Um, we have the, the Resiliency Clinic, and uh, 
Oh, but it's time to listen to some more music. Do you have another idea for a song to play? What kind of music do you listen to, Aaron? I listen to anything and everything. It really just depends on my mood. One song that I, I would listen to when I was having to do a lot of physical rehab is kind of a, 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 a silly song. It's a band called All American Rejects, and I think the song is called Move. Move by the All American Rejects? Yeah. That sounds like a worthy tune to play. Oh, yeah. Shaking cold, these hands are meant to hold. Faith to faith, when all you gotta keep is strong. Move along, move along, like I know you do. And even when your hope is gone, move along, move along, just to make it through.
I'll break into today's Spirit in Action, guest hosted by Patricia Stansbury, sharing from her most recent Groundswell program, coming to you via northernspiritradio.org, where you'll find links to Patricia, her WIIR station in Richmond, Virginia, and our other guest hosts, and all of the guests of the past 16 years. Post a comment on our site when you visit, support us with a donation, and especially support the wonderful community radio stations nationwide like WIRR and like WHYS here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, and help ensure a strong, resilient, alternative media voice. Back now to the in-progress groundswell visit with folks from the Veterans Resiliency Holistic Clinic, where Patricia has just asked Aaron which modalities he participates in when he goes to the clinic. It's partly based on what practitioners are available that given month, and Karen sets it up with trying to match my needs up with the practitioners that are available. I worked with, I think I've tried all the different modalities that are offered here. I regularly meet with an herbalist who Skypes in over the internet and provides, basically there's, I mean, she, she's a practicing herbalist and provides that wonderful service to me. And we meet for an hour and she ends up putting together a package each month and it gets mailed to me with those things that we feel could help me. Um, I work with Karen with her cranial sacral work, um, Jared on mindfulness, Talia reflexology, um, sometimes yoga, also acupuncture. It's a, it's a bit of a, a cornucopia, but I really feel a sense of peace and balance that nothing else has been able to provide me, whether it's any other form of therapy or medication for a good week after being here and not necessarily everything is always pleasant therapies here because if we were perfectly wonderful and healthy we wouldn't necessarily be here for the situations and sometimes some of the things that um, I have to work through that I am feeling are not good things but they need to be worked on, they need to be let loose and freed, and and I need to find a better center and balance with my body. I I certainly, um, for three or four nights after coming here to the clinic, those are the three or four nights a month that I can count on for getting quality sleep. Otherwise, my nights are completely interrupted with my PTSD. How long have you been working this program? I will not. I don't know if I can say from the beginning. I think so. You mean for years or for? About a year and a half, two years. Our second anniversary was March the nineteenth. Uh-huh. So yeah. So it was right. close after we got started that Aaron started coming, mm-hmm. like April or May of two thousand and seventeen. And it was really by happenstance. I was looking for something uh, like this that might exist and I really kind of set myself down to start searching around and I do remember this that when I found it the initial blurb on the website out there it looked like 
that it was a group that either met in Charlottesville or up in DC. And I and I was just like, oh my God, no. I'm like, why can't there be something original? There's a VA hospital here. This is I can't and I'm like, that's all right, you know, I I I can't believe this group actually exists in Virginia and well, that's fine. And I reached out to her. I'm like, oh, please, 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 please. Can, is there space for me? Can you meet with me? I'm like, do, do I need to go to Charlottesville? Do I need to go to D.C.? And she's just like, oh, well, we're actually, you know, doing it here in Richmond. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> well, how many programs are there that are like this or just unique? What's... I think there's similar programs. Um Across the country, I um, I don't know if there's anyone exactly like ours and based on the principles that that we use as far as addressing trauma. There are a lot of pain clinics. There are a lot of general uh, holistic clinics that just deal with relaxation. And although we're dealing with relaxation, it's so much deeper what we're doing because we're really releasing a lot of the trapped energies out of the body. And so I guess I feel obligated to say we're not just a spa. Right. <laughs> You're not just yeah. coming to do reflexology or to, mm-hmm. you know, to do herbalism, but there's really some major changes that are taking place in the body as a result of, of being with our modalities. And they're done with the intention of releasing those energies from the body. And so every modality has a specific way of working with the nervous system and a specific way of helping the nervous system to be more regulated and more resilient. That's what we're really, really looking to do. And that only makes sense when you speak in holistic terms because it's not a body, mind, or spirit. Right. It's all three working together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love the model. It makes really good sense. Um, I'm familiar with another organization it's called Quaker House mm-hmm. of Fayetteville and they do counseling um, but I'm, I can hardly wait to talk with some of them about this <laughs> I'm going to send them this program <clears throat> so is it okay if I talk a little bit about our approach to trauma I was hoping you would <laughs> and uh, in the meantime if anyone's mind wanders a little bit we will need a song to play in the middle of the show so okay, if you come up with something you'd like to hear we got music, we got music. <laughs> <laughs> so and I don't want to take up all the time because I think Jennifer and, and Aaron have a lot to share too um, well, Peter Levine approaches trauma from the perspective that it's normal physiology in the body and if you look at an elk in the wild or a deer in the wild, and they're just grazing and their nervous system is regulated and they're, they're taking time and, you know, there's this normal sympathetic, parasympathetic um, flow that's going on in the body. And then there's danger. And let's say it's a cheetah or it's a bobcat or, you know, whatever predator you want to put there. So the body goes on alert, and it's going to go into um, trying to flee, which is fight, which is a sympathetic reaction. If it can't, if it can't run away, it's going to go into a fight reaction, which is also sympathetic. 
And if it can't fight or the fight was not enough, it's going to go into what we call a freeze, which the whole physiology goes the opposite direction and the, the animal appears to be dead. This heart slows down, the breathing slows down, everything in the body slows down, and it's like a possum. It's like a possum that you think is playing dead, but he's not playing. He's, his physiology is, is close to it. And uh, so when he goes into that freeze, there's still all that energy in the body from the fight and the flight. So let's say the predator loses interest. I'm not interested in dead meat. I'm going to find something else to play with here or something else to eat, and the predator goes off. So the animal comes out of the freeze, and it will go off into the wild, and it will start to shake, and it will start to look like it's convulsing, and it's discharging all of that stuck energy. And once it's discharged, then, you know, they'll go back to grazing, and life is wonderful again. We have this thing, humans have this thing called the neocortex. So it gets to be a little bit more complicated, and we don't generally discharge that energy in the same way, so it gets stuck in our body. And so what a somatic experiencing is attempting to do very slowly is to allow some of that energy to be discharged in a safe way, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, until we're able to get all of that, that energy that is so potent that it interferes with our sleep, it interferes with our relationships, it interferes with our digestion, it brings us nightmares. All of those symptoms that we consider to be of PTSD, that is all that stuck energy that's in the body. And it's like having, we have one, one foot on the gas pedal, and we have one foot on the brake. And so we're walking through life that way. And so what we're trying to do is to allow that to come down to some sense of functioning the way we were functioning prior to that, the traumatic event, whatever it may be, which is that normal sympathetic, parasympathetic, sympathetic, that flow in the body, that rhythm, that natural rhythm. So that's what we're trying to do with all the, well, we're not trying, we're doing it, with all the modalities that we have, is to help the sympathetic and the parasympathetic systems to become more balanced and the nervous system to become more regulated. And we're not in any way trying to replace traditional medicine. We're not trying to replace mental health. We're not trying to replace um, the doctors. What we're trying to do is to complement what, what is being done there. We believe we might be more effective but it's not our intention to replace them in any way. Right. So I want to make that very clear. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, personally, I, I believe that the resiliency clinic is, it, it, it contains the, the most vital component that's missing from traditional medicine and, and mental health, and that's that spiritual aspect. Because that's what I felt was missing because I, you know, dealing with, with PTSD and the psychiatrist is, okay, Here's, here's some tools and here's some medications. Dealing with the medical aspects, well, here's a bunch of medications and here's, and let's poke and prod at you and run you in our machine a couple of times. And for me, once, once I was able to get the, the medical stuff um, together, it was difficult for me to get to the mental part together because I felt like I was missing something spiritually 
that I lost um, throughout the multiple deployments and being, I, I served in the Marines and, and, and we, you got to stay frosty when you're in certain situations. You don't, you don't get to express emotions. You don't, you don't get to say, well, I feel bad today. They'll be like, well, suck it up and keep moving, get to work. Like no one cares about your feelings. And, and um, when you, when you, when you get out, especially if you get out when you're not ready to get out, there's, there, there's no training for how to cope with what life is like afterwards. And um, I, when, I, when I discovered the clinic, it felt like it was that, that key that I was looking for to, to give me a gauge of, of how I can progress and focus on Jennifer and leave Sergeant Jones behind because that's the past and, and, and it, it helps me focus more on me in the present instead of five, six, seven, eight steps ahead. And, and, and it's, it's just benefited me. I, I use it as, as basically, I, I know I'm on the right track when I go to the clinic because they reassure me that I'm on the right track. If I knew if I was falling back, especially Karen would let me know. <laughs> and it sounds like your experience changes the way that you feel and the way that you're coping and so you know that it's working for yourself absolutely absolutely i never focused on myself i always focused on my troops i always focused on the mission i always focused on the next step i i focused on everybody and everything except myself so because i got diagnosed with ptsd while i was still active duty and i wasn't getting out so I, I had to cope with it the way every other service member copes with it. And when you're in, they might offer, um, oh, yes, you should go to mental health. Yes, you should talk to somebody. But there's that stigma that's still there that, okay, you can go if you want to, but we're going to think you're weird. We're going to think something's wrong with you. You may not get promoted. You may not get that mission that you want. You may not get that job that you want. And, and, and so... It's like, well, how do you cope if you're afraid of getting backlash or or your peers looking at you a certain way? You drink, you smoke, you end up doing things you're not supposed to do, you 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 get in trouble, and and that's not conducive to, to treatment. And 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 then now you get out, you have a bunch of medical issues, you can't drink anyway, you can't go out and act a fool. So what do you do then? You shut down, you become reclusive, you don't feel comfortable talking to anybody about your problems because you were trained to not talk about your problems. <laughs> you were trained to, 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 to move forward in spite of your problems. And that is the biggest issue I feel that veterans have when they get out is that they are afraid to talk about how they feel because they're, they're concerned that people will look at them as weak or inferior um, because you know, we put we put veterans and service members on this pedestal, and even after being out for 10, 15 years, you feel like you still have to carry yourself like that. So the resiliency clinic gives you that opportunity to be vulnerable and be and, and, and safe and 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 be able to focus on you in that moment. And I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I am so glad to hear about this. We're here with the Resiliency Clinic with Karen Henderson, Jennifer, and Aaron, who are participants in the program, and I'm just learning so much, but it, we do like to put a little bit of music in. Have y'all thought of anything we might play? <laughs> Sarah Watkins with Take Up Your Spade.
program lightly on the ground. You can pick up a link there too. And you can listen at Richmond Independent Radio Archives at WRIR.org. This has been an episode of Groundswell. And my guests today are from the Veterans Resiliency Holistic Clinic. And one of them is the coordinator, Karen Henderson, and two participants. And I've learned so much from Aaron and from Jennifer particularly the bits about the dogs. In an effort to pull this back together, Karen, would you review sort of where we've been and uh, how, to, sure. how to get in touch with the... Sure. So the Veterans Resiliency Holistic Clinic is here in Richmond. We meet the fourth Wednesday of every month. You can make an appointment for many of our modalities at Karen at veteransresiliency.com. And go to VeteransResiliency.com and you can see a list of all of our modalities, what we do, and it gives you an awesome idea of what our mission is, 
what our values are, which are really important, and what our vision is for for veterans. Thank you, Karen. All veterans and their family members are welcome. Any wrap-up comments from you, Jennifer? Um, yes, I highly encourage veterans to check this out because we, I, I know that um, we veterans have a tendency to, to shun away from things that help ourselves, especially when, when it, it, it comes to being emotional and being <clears throat> vulnerable. But this is so necessary. This work is necessary, and, and I appreciate um, Karen and and the rest of the team for everything that they do for us because you know is 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 by donation so it's like you don't have anything to lose but to go and try it mm-hmm. and if everything else that you're doing isn't working for you why not try this it's a resource that should be everywhere for all veterans um, in my opinion and that's one of those things that that comes to mind often people will try alternative therapies and I'm speaking now of herbalism and and such gentle cures for things as a last resort. So people might try a vitamin therapy after they've already tried all of the drug therapies and they've already ravaged their bodies with the side effects of those. So I think the idea of trying this even in conjunction with other early therapies so that the transition is smooth and that you learn. These are self-care things that we're talking about here. And, you know, in, in the long run, we're here alone. I mean, we're in a room with four people, but we're each individuals. And And we're talking about empowering people and not necessarily getting people to have to depend on other forms of medical care, even though it depends on what your medical issue is. Mm -hmm. But when when it comes to that spiritual and that emotional and that mental, can we empower people to be able to start regulating their own nervous systems? You know, if I find myself getting too hyper- there are practices that I can do to bring my nervous system back down. Or if I'm getting too depressed, are there practices out there that I can do to get my nervous system more in balance? And there was something Jennifer mentioned that I forgot to. It's there is no charge for our services that we just ask for a $25 donation. And we do not follow people around to see whether or not they are putting anything in the jar. It's the pull to have people go and look at the website, but I think people are listening to it. They want to hear kind of a list of the modalities that are being offered right now. So that way, that you know, they... We can do that again. I think people, I mean, I would want to hear be like, well, what do you do there? I mean, what, what is it? And it's kind of like, all right, I'm hearing about this. Maybe a good buffet, but I don't know if it's a seafood buffet or an American buffet or, you know, I, well, I, I don't know about this or that, but I've heard that acupuncture is really good, so that might be the pull for them to... These are the modalities that we use to help regulate the nervous system. We have somatic experiencing, craniosacral therapy, reflexology, yoga, mindfulness, clinical herbalism, wellness... And acupuncture. That's quite a smorgasbord. And it sounds like you could possibly be open to having other practitioners approach you. If yes, we're always open to exploring <clears throat> our other modalities. Sweet. Well, let's wrap up this, this little session. Um, this is an episode of Groundswell, and I am, I'm going to go ahead and say something about WRIR, that's Richmond Independent Radio. Um, we are also all volunteers. And so that's something that we have in common with so many nonprofits. 
You can go to WRIR.org and click the donate button to donate. But anyway, this is your host, Patricia Stansbury, and you can find out more about the programs at LOTG Radio on Facebook, where you can also pick up a link and listen to the show or share it with someone else. And again, this has been um, a pretty amazing afternoon spent with the Veterans Resiliency Holistic Clinic. Yes. All right, everyone. Thanks again for your time, and thanks for sharing so generously of your experiences. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome. The Holistic Valkyries. <laughs> the Holistic Valkyries. Today's Spirit in Action guest host, Patricia Stansbury, finished that groundswell interview with folks from the Veterans Resiliency Holistic Clinic with some music. Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. Links to Patricia, WIRR Radio, to the clinic, and more are on northernspiritradio.org. Thanks to Patricia for freeing up my time on my birthday weekend, and we'll see you all next week for Spirit in Action. The theme music for this program is Turning of the World, performed by Sarah Thompson. Check out all things Spirit in Action on northernspiritradio.org. Guests, links, stations, and a place for your feedback, suggestions, and support. Thanks for listening. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, and I hope you find deep roots to support you to grow steadily toward the light. This is Spirit in Action. With every voice, with every song. 